What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Hoop Culture Podcast. My name is Dakota Haynes. Got Jaden and Julian Cassiano with us here today. Guys, it has been a heck of a couple of hours. Uh, last night, late last night, the news came out that James Harden had been traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm honestly not sure how to feel about it. Um, I don't think that it's going to help the Clippers win the uh, NBA title in the long run. But I'm going to hand it over to you guys, um, let you uh, talk about this, and then I'll uh, uh, step in uh, and give some thoughts as well. Um, But, yeah, Julian, go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was interesting how you mentioned that it's not going to help them win uh, the NBA Finals too much, and it seems like the sports books agree so far with um, the Clippers' odds before the Harden trade just last night being at plus 1,800. Uh, there was a, a bit of a spike, but uh, not not too high as, as they moved down to plus 1,400. Um, and I, I think what the sports books are thinking here is that the teams that end up losing a lot of depth and go after stars uh, don't typically do too well. A uh, perfect example is the Dallas Mavericks from last season when they gave up that huge haul to get Kyrie Irving in that trade, and um, they ended up having almost no depth. Uh, their bench was weak uh, at the end of the season and ended up costing them a trip to the playoffs. Uh, so while I do think the Clippers got better with, with the addition of James Harden, uh, it, it, it's tough for me to say that their their title odds increased. Yeah, and then, like, from, from my standpoint of it, it's just – it's so difficult – to look at the Clippers right now and say that they didn't improve because obviously you're getting, you know, a proven playmaker, a proven scorer, a guy that I think is really going to fit well alongside Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But at the same time, I'm, I'm less looking at it as in, Oh, I don't think that this makes them better. And I'm just looking at the top of the West and I'm just like, I just really don't think that this puts the Clippers above like the the Nuggets or the Warriors or the Lakers. It's just like those those Western juggernauts are just so well-balanced and they, they have consistency. They don't have to worry about, you know, meshing together in the season. I mean, the Nuggets are already looking unstoppable. So I just I, – I don't think that this trade is going to make the Clippers contend with the Nuggets. Yeah, here's my thoughts. Um I mean, obviously, on paper, it does make the uh, Clippers better just because you now have a guy who, for most of his career, has had to be um, the guy. He's had to be the scorer um, pretty much no matter where he's been. Um, Last year, he led the league in assists, um, but his scoring is obviously his most notable trait. But that also tends to be what many expert observers call his downfall. Now he has two elite wings, such as Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. They also have Russell Westbrook, who has established himself as a leader in L.A. So the three of them combined are going to be able to take some significant pressure off of Harden as a scorer. But I don't know if it's enough to really help them win those uh, win the championship this year. Um, and that's because there's four main reasons here. Um, and you can check out both articles. I wrote two of them uh, titled NBA Trick or Treat on the uh, Phantom Sports website. Um, the four main reasons are there's no guarantees that James Harden stays with the Clippers heading into next season. It's his fourth team in three years. He's going to be a free agent. If they don't offer him the money, do you guys really think he stays? I mean, there's also the fact that, you know, somebody is going to have to receive the ball less in order for James Harden to get his touches. Um, Double negatives don't feel a positive in the postseason. James Harden has flared out in the postseason in the past. The Clippers have flared out the past couple of seasons, whether it be to injury or just simply a collapse. But then there's going to be some chaos no matter how you look at it you know you can have one star help you get to the postseason two can get you close to a championship three obviously you know at that point if you're not winning NBA championship there's a problem but with four I mean it's just somebody is gonna cause some chaos there unless if it's 
you know, they're best friends. But I don't really see how, especially with the problems that we've ha seen with um, Russell Westbrook and James Harden in the past, I don't see how this uh, is going to work out. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and, and uh, it, it's tough to evaluate who is going to end up losing time, but if, if you didn't know any better, you'd have to say it's probably going to be Russell Westbrook. Hmm. Uh, he'll probably end up getting less touches and less minutes on the floor, although uh, he'll probably be, still be a viable option off the bench. Um, I think one of the reasons that Los Angeles ended up pulling the trigger in, in, in this, uh, for this deal was uh, they saw the play uh, at the end of the game, that Russell Westbrook made where he got the rebound uh, against the Utah Jazz and ended up putting up a shot where he probably should have passed it out or maybe made a better play with the ball, kind of rushed a shot, um, made a fadeaway that was unlikely to uh, – it was just a low percentage shot. Um, so I think that was probably part of the reason, um, you know, it was, it was finally like that final push that they needed to go out and get James Harden. And, look, I still think that James Harden's a great facilitator. Um mm. It, it's going to come down to whether these guys can stay healthy, right? We we see the Clippers get far and we see them win games and, and then they collapse in the playoffs, whether it's uh, health concerns these last couple seasons or even during the season uh, with a guy like Paul George last season going down. Um, but I, I, overall, I, I think it's going to take time away from, from Russell Westbrook um, and, and into the hands of James Harden more. Yeah, and then, like, one thing that I do give the, the Clippers credit for in this trade is I honestly didn't expect them to be able to pull it off without uh, losing either Terrence Mann or Bones Highland or Norman Powell. And the fact that they were able to keep all three of those as viable bench scorers, which they have proven so far, is it, it really makes me think that they're really not going to have a glaring weakness. Um, that's why I, I feel more confident about them than I do, like, about Phoenix. I look at the, the roster construction. I look at their depth pieces. And, like, it just – there there really isn't a weakness. They could run any any five combination of players that they have on the court at any given period of time. Um, so I do think they're going to end up being a very good team. But I, I, I'm also just as concerned about that Russell Westbrook-James Harden situation. Um, I honestly think that Harden has turned more into a pure point guard. And I don't know that uh, Westbrook will be able to play off the ball very well. So I don't know how, how it's going to look with them playing, especially in the starting lineup together. I just I don't think that's going to be a pretty good recipe moving forward. So like, like uh, Julian said, they'll probably uh, – they'll, they'll figure out Russell Westbrook's new role, whether that's going to the bench or staggering his minutes with Harden. But um, overall, I really like their depth still after this trade. Yeah, you said – I just want to jump in real quick. You said that uh... – that they did a great job of, of retaining Bones Highland and Terrence Mann, and, and that's big that they did uh, pull that off for that trade. Uh, but where does Highland even fit in now as the third point guard? Right, he'll he'll be behind Harden and, and Westbrook, um, and then you'd look at a guy like Mann who can also play point guard, but is primarily more of a shooting guard. So mm -hmm. where does Highland fit in fit in now with this team? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be very difficult. And Highland had gotten off to such a good start so far this season. I mean, he was averaging, I believe, like around 16, 17 points per game off the bench. And so I just really hope that it doesn't stunt his, his production level. Um, I, I would hope that he would, if they are starting Harden and Russ together, I would hope that he would take on that uh, six-man role still. But if they are staggering minutes in uh, – you know, running P.J. Tucker in the starting lineup over Russell Westbrook, I don't know where that leaves Bones. And, uh, you know, I, I really hope that he doesn't get disgruntled about it because we saw that that was the reason that he ended up leaving Denver in the first place. So uh, I'm hoping that he gets his that his, he gets his chance to prove that he's still a bona fide bench scorer, you know. Yeah, Bones Highland definitely still needs to get the minutes somehow. Um, however, the Clippers can uh... – give them his give him his minutes um he's been absolutely phenomenal over the past two years whether it be with uh the nuggets um last year or the clippers um kind of uh surprised me a little bit last year with how much he grew in a little amount of time um but taking a look at what the clippers got for this uh deal um or at the 76ers as well um so they got James Harden, P.J. Tucker, and Philip Petrusiv in exchange for Marcus Morris, Nicholas Batum, K.J. Martin, 
Um, Robert Covington, a 2028 unprotected first-round pick, uh, two second-round picks, and a pick swap, um, as well as the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, 2026 first. Uh, Jaden, I want to point out that a couple of weeks back when we were talking about the Damian Lillard trade, um, I had mentioned that the James Harden deal would not be as close and return package as the Damian Lillard trade was. And um, by the looks of it, I mean, that it, that appears to be true. Uh, yeah. But... I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I was honestly surprised when I woke up to what the full details were this morning. Uh, I was really, I was really expecting Norman Powell or Terrence Mann to be like the, the main piece in this trade. Uh, you get Robert Covington. I mean, he 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 had been in Philly before and he had worked well. So I mean, he'll, he'll be a good uh, role player next to Embiid. But I mean, Marcus Morris doesn't really add much value. Uh, KJ Martin, he's still young, so he can he he does have that upside. But it's like, and Nick Batum again, kind of feel the same way about him as I do Marcus Morris. I look at this trade package and I'm just like, that's that's it and it's like i know that philly's not done yet and i know that they're probably going to upgrade the roster uh further down the line i mean you have batum and morris on expiring deals as well um but it's just it, it really it, it really makes me think i i do think that philly was able to get out of a bad situation and able to you know add depth to the team in the process but this honestly isn't a team that's i, I even think is is a top three team in the East. So I, I just don't see how they really upgraded in this situation just by bringing in role players, essentially. Yeah. And, and so what Philly ended up doing here is, is they, they said, Hey, we're strong in the backcourt right now. And we're going to get rid of, um, we're going to get rid of James Harden because he doesn't want to be here. Um, so we're going to address what we probably have holes in right now, which was that front court. You know, they had Kelly Oubre in there um, as their small forward, and, and he'll probably rotate around with, with Morris, uh, with Marcus Morris coming in. Um, and now you get a guy like Rocco, Robert Covington, coming back, uh, a guy that's been there before, um, along with Batum, who, say what you want about Batum, but um, in that contract that he got a couple of years ago, but he could still uh, do some things, he could still play. Um, so they really, I, I don't, I agree with you when I saw it and, and I said, hey, that's it. Uh, I wish they could have got a, a little bit more as far as the um, Sixers are concerned. Uh, but they did load up that front court pretty good in, in a place where they thought it was a weakness. And I, I don't know if they're a top three team in the East either. Uh, I, I'd have to take a more of a deep look into uh, obviously Boston and, and uh, Milwaukee are the clear number one and two. Um, then you got a couple of straggler teams like the the Knicks and uh, the Cavs, and then the 76ers and some others. Uh, so uh, what Philly, the direction here, I guess they were trying to load up that front court a little bit more. Um, overall, they didn't get too much out of it. The 2028 unprotected first, um, I thought they would maybe get a better pick than that. Um, and you you can pull it, you can pull off this trade by getting that better pick. Uh, if, if if a 2028 first is just not enough. It's 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 unprotected as well. Um I maybe would have liked to see like a 2026 or, or somewhere more relevant than uh, than 2028. Yeah, and talking about loading up the front court um and not getting enough here. I mean, you take a look at each of these players. All of them have their own strengths. Marcus Morris you can rely on him for physicality and shooting. Nicholas Batum for his versatility on defense and ability to space the floor. And then Robert Covington pretty much uh, at this point just for his active hands and ability to uh, shoot the ball. Um, kind of like a guard in a sense. I mean, he's just become such a great shooter um, out on the wing. Not really your uh, typical power forward, you know, getting down in the paint with physicality to get the rebounds and uh, stuff like that. I mean, you kind of saw that much from him in uh, Portland. Um, but, yeah, I I definitely think that the Clippers uh, could have gotten some more 
uh, or I should say the 76ers could have gotten some more. Um, I think the Clippers did all right and on their end of the deal. But where do you think the 76ers go next? Um, I've heard uh, you know rumors about them going out and getting a couple of different shooting guards. Um, Levine to be one. Um, yeah, where do they go? Yeah, um, I, I 100% think that uh, Levine is the answer uh, for them. Uh, obviously, Levine is, is going through it in Chicago right now. Uh, Chicago just has really felt like a train that, that's derailing for the last two years, uh, a team that's really needing to uh, blow it up. And I think that, that, that he'll probably be that first piece. I don't know if Chicago's going to be eager to deal him for the package that Philly has to offer. Um but I, I would see him fitting well with Philly, especially alongside Tyrese Maxey offensively. Um, but another name I think that Philly should be looking at is uh, Macau Bridges. Um, I think that Bridges, especially just like the, the defensive versatility that he provides as well, he works great as a tertiary option uh, behind Embiid and Maxey. Um, I don't think that his asking price would be too high, uh, especially if, if Brooklyn continues to lose games like they've been so far early on in the season. Um, and I just think that that would be an ideal, consistent two-way player that you would want to be next to Embiid. Yeah, I, I like that. I would like that move a lot, and particularly Levine. I, I think that he's a, a star in this league that uh, does not get enough attention uh, by any means. But when, when Dakota, when you asked that first question, the first, came to pop, the first name that popped into my mind was uh, DeMar DeRozan. I just think that he would fit in super well in that backcourt. Um, he's a really good mid-range shooter and a guy that if uh, can get can get the ball with Embiid, and uh, he he can score a lot. And I, I would like to pull off that move if I were DeRozan, especially if uh, the Bulls start to slack off a little bit during the middle of the season. Yeah, both of those are uh, great options there. Um, I kind of like the fit that DeMar DeRozan would give the 76ers just a little bit more, just because he's that uh, veteran piece who uh, could help Tyrese Maxey grow into who he can become in this league a little bit more. I mean, Zach Levine is a great player. Um, he's a local boy from where you know I grew up in the state of Washington. I would love to see um, him have his chance to really shine and potentially win an NBA championship at some point in his career. But I really like the fit that DeMar DeRozan would give the 76ers next to Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid a little bit more. But, um, I mean, is this going to be at all for um, the 76ers? Are they, is uh, Joel Embiid, do you think he's going to ask out at some point? I don't think this is the type of move where it, you're looking to kind of disassemble the roster and kind of blow it up and, and look for Embiid to to leave. I, I think Embiid loves Philly, uh, just from an outsider's perspective. Uh, you know, you see him at the the Phillies games and the Eagles games, and not that that's too relevant, but he's just he's a guy that that city has totally embraced him. Um, he's a great player and, and he loves being there. I, I think that. There's no sign of him going anywhere right now, um, and I, I don't think that this trade is necessarily something that um, is going to blow up the 76ers. Although it did change their uh, change the core of their roster a good amount, um, I think this is rather like a reload move and kind of something that Daryl Morey and the 76ers wouldn't have envisioned themselves making coming into this season. Uh, but obviously, James Harden is runs his mouth before the season and talks about how in China, how he will never play for Daryl Morey. Um, and there's just there's that move was just more, I think the, the Harden move is more Philly being having their hands tied more than anything. I, I don't think that they would have voluntarily went out and made this, made this move. Yeah. And um, honestly, I think it's quite the opposite of a, of, a disgruntled Embiid making this move. Like I honestly, of course, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but uh, I would, I would think that Daryl Morey and Joel Embiid have a pretty good relationship. You know, Embiid has proven, you know, he's a reigning MVP, two-time scoring champion. He's proven time and time again that he is the main piece in Philly, and he is willing to stay in Philly 
and he's as loyal to them as they are to him. I think that, you know, Embiid knows that the best shot that they have of, of winning is to have people that actually want to play for the team. And hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Embiid was pushing for them to go ahead and hurry up with, with the Harden trade. Uh, we, we know that he had had a, a rough breakup with Ben Simmons a couple years ago as well. But uh, I really do think that Embiid is going to stay in Philly. I think they're going to stand pat and they're, they're going to make some more moves to try to build around their star. Um, and, you know, time will tell if they're able to get out of the second round, but I definitely think that Embiid's in it for the long haul. Yeah, I could definitely agree with uh, both of you guys there. Um, I don't think that he's going to end up leaving, um, but I, I do want to point out um, that he did get uh, fined today uh, for his Degeneration X Triple H uh, celebration versus the Blazers on Sunday. Um, $35,000 fine. But what's funny about it <laughs> was uh, with Joel, uh Triple H actually said, uh, hey, Joel Embiid, I know a place where you can do that all day and everyone will love it. Uh, WrestleMania 40 <laughs> is right there in Philly. Um, so, I mean, it, it's just interesting. You know, the fact that he just loves uh, the city of Philly, um, it's just it just means so much to the NBA in all, in all honesty. Um, but with that being said, um, let's talk a little bit about reactions from week one of the NBA. Jaden, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so uh, I did just uh, write an article for Phantom about my overreactions from the first week, uh, but honestly, I, I really, I'm happy the basketball's back. I've been I've been following, uh, I won't say every team, but I've been following a lot of teams, seen some full games. Um, of course, I'm most passionate about my Knicks, who uh, haven't looked so good to begin with. Julius Randle's having another slump, but uh, you know, it's I, I really like looking at those those like lesser talked about players that are having a huge impact. And for me, it just all circles back to uh, Jalen Duran on the Detroit Pistons. Mm. Uh, mm. He is just he he's having such an impressive season so far, both scoring and rebounding the basketball, getting a lot of blocks. Um, I believe that he was top three in, in rebounds uh, per game. Uh, before today's game went out. And it's just knowing that he is already doing this in his second season at only 19 years old just makes me very, very hopeful for not only his future, but for Detroit's future. Like uh, they, they brought in James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley uh, at the deadline last year, and he is just firmly starting over both of them. And it's not even a competition. James Wiseman is seeing DMPs because Jalen Duran is that good. And I think that, if the Pistons stick with, with the core of, of Cade Cunningham, Asor Thompson, and Jalen Duran, that they're going to be a force in, in a few years in that Eastern Conference. Yeah, the, speaking of the Pistons, uh, they've been pretty impressive so far. Um, I particularly have liked the play of Azar Thompson, uh, especially uh, that, that game that he had uh, a couple nights ago. I think uh, he had made a really nice couple of defensive stops um, and on, I think it was Damian Lillard, uh, might be fact-checked there, but, um, he, he, so he stuck out to me and then, uh, that big man up front for them too. They, they look like they're going to be, they look like they're going to be pretty strong. Uh, I like the additions that they made in the off season with Joe Harris. And obviously this is not going to be another, uh, basement dweller Pistons team like we're used to. Yeah, I definitely don't see them being a basement dweller this year. Um, you know, right now, sixth in the East. It's too early to tell uh, where they'll exactly finish. Um, but I didn't have them being uh, basement dwellers in the uh, the NBA season preview. Um, but, yeah, you talk about Jalen Duran. Um, he's been phenomenal. I, I think last year when he uh, really uh, came into his own, he was starting to impress and he didn't have a horrible season last year either. Um, so I really think that uh, the, this, the Pistons are going to be a team that surprises everybody this year. Um, I would expect them to eclipse at least 30 wins if everything goes according to plan, but um, they could definitely get more than that. Even they could probably get up to 40. 
uh, probably 45 at the max, I think, this year. Um, if everything goes according to plan and if they stay on the track that they're at right now. Uh, but, Jaden, you, you, you had that article about the overreactions. And I wanted to point something out. And I, I want to see what you guys think here. Because I have been seeing a lot of Blazers fans say that Shaden Sharp is the biggest bust in Blazers history just three games into the season. Excuse me, Scoot Henderson. Yeah, uh, give the kid a break, man. It's 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 uh it's it's been three games, and honestly, like we we've seen a trend recently that a lot of guards just struggle in their first years in the NBA, and like that's not anything shocking. Like, yes, Scoot is shooting very very poorly. He's turning the ball over a lot, but I mean. You could just go back to 2019. Darius Garland was doing the same exact thing for a very, very bad Cavs team, and he's an all-star just four years later. You have to give these young guards a chance to dwell, to uh, gel into the NBA. Scoot is only 19 years old. Let him get the rookie mistakes out of the way while the Blazers have no expectations, no offense, uh, and just let him grow, you know? Uh, yeah, it, it has been a rough three games, though, I will say that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a little ridiculous to call him the biggest bust in Portland Trailblazers history, uh, given the history of that franchise. But <laughs> to say uh, to, to say that he's he, he's a bust is just completely inaccurate. Um, it's it's sad, really. I mean, the, the kids played three games. Uh, I, what is he? Nineteen years old. I mean, it's mm-hmm. yep. so I mean, so uh, he'll be just fine. And obviously, the Blazers have time. They're, they're, this is not a team where they're going to head into probably even the playoffs this season. I, I mean, looking at their roster up and down, I wouldn't be surprised if they're something like an eight seed, uh, nine seed play-in team. Uh, but I, this team's not winning any championships right now. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as overall in the first week of the season, uh, there's one player in this league that I have been most impressed with. And it has to be Cam Thomas. Uh, the guy has just been in an absolute tear scoring 30 points in his first three games of the season. And he is the second youngest player in NBA history with three straight 30-point games in a season. And the only other player to do that was Shaquille O'Neal. I think that I added this to my um, awards predictions. I think that Cam Thomas will be the most improved player in basketball this season. And we look at last season with the Nets and, and really what they did with him was he, during the middle of the season, really started to play very well. Um, kind of towards the back end of the season. Um, and then I, I think for for one either reason or another, whether it was his injury or whether it was uh, maybe a lack of play or lack of time, he ended up hitting the bench for a while and just kind of wasn't the same player uh, down the stretch. Uh, but through these first three games, he has come out of the gates very hot. Yeah, I agree. I think that Cam Thomas is actually ex- – like his scoring is exactly what that team needs if they want to be successful. However, I don't think that he's ready to do this, you know, for over the span of an 82-game season. Now, of course, I'm not taking anything away from him. I do think that he's still going to, you know, definitely be scoring in the 20s at least if he if he gets that playing time. But um, I don't think that he should have all that pressure put on him in, what, his second, third season. Um, Cam Thomas is, is definitely going to be a bright spot for the Nets and a piece that they should be building around. But um, – I do still think that if they're a team that just went out in this offseason and paid all that money to bring back their, their main guys, they should be aiming to at least make the playoffs. And I just, I'm not impressed by their play as a team so far. Cam Thomas has been impressive, though, but uh, I mean, he can't do it by himself. They're going to need to fill that roster out and, and consolidate and try to get another star. Yeah, I think it's interesting what uh, Cam Thomas has been doing. Um, in my in the Brooklyn Nets season preview, I had mentioned that uh, they need somebody to really step up and help uh, this team. Obviously, everybody thought that that was going to be Macau Bridges. Um, you know that he was going to step up even more than he had last year. Uh, but uh, Bridges also believes in everyone on this team. Uh, you know he's kind of taken over as the main leader with both Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant and, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez not on the team anymore. Um, 
he's kind of taken over as that main leader and um, has really started to become the star that everybody thought that Macau Bridges would be with the Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, but and we obviously started to see that last year. But once he had landed in Brooklyn, he just took off. Um, but the nice thing is, is that now, you know, he has Cam Thomas, who is coming into his own, um, you know, as a young guy uh, that can uh, they can throw into that starting lineup as well. Um, but yeah, it's it's I like you said, Jaden. I don't think that the team play is quite there yet for the the Brooklyn Nets, and that's something that you know they've got to work on. Um, Obviously, we're only three games into this season, so hopefully that'll come over the course of the season. You know, it's the same uh, with the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, their team play isn't all there right yet, um, but over the course of the season, it matters at the end of the season when which teams are the hottest, right? Going into the playoffs, that's when you want to be hot. That's when you want to have the best team that you can put out on the court. Um, obviously, you want to you know, get yourself into the playoff picture, but you want to have the best team that you can put on the court there at the end of the season. And look, I, I really don't hate the the roster construction of the Nets. Um, I, I don't think it's great by any means. I don't, this is not a championship team by any means, uh, but they're not too far away here. They've, um, they've got Ben Simmons starting still. Uh, that's probably, I, I think he's still going to start on a regular basis unless something really changes to where, he can't score at all anymore or get rebounds or do anything that he used to be able to do. And then you've got a guy who I think over the last season and a half um, has been one of the most underrated players in the entire NBA and Nicholas Claxton. Uh, I think he's, he's an incredible defender, um, a, a guy that down low that can guard anybody in the league. He showed that last year. And, uh, and then obviously you got Bridges, who's probably the biggest difference maker here. He's going to, make or break this season for them as as far as I'm concerned. And then you've got some other guys like Lonnie Walker and um, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie who can still do some things. So uh, I, don't, I don't hate this roster. I, I think they can go out and make a couple trades. If, if, if they're around 500 uh, near the trade deadline, I'd expect for them um, to maybe go out and get some more pieces. Um, but it's not like, – like I said earlier, it, the, the East is open here. We, we've got, obviously, aside from these top two spots, the East is anybody's game from 3 to 10, really. Yeah, and I feel like the Pacers have definitely um, been a team that everybody needs to watch out for. Um, I had mentioned in the preseason, or in the offseason, rather, that Tyrese Halliburton um, had had the Pacers on the rise to... Um, being pretty good this year and I feel like he's done that right out of the gate um obviously I I just mentioned you know it matters uh towards the end of the season when uh which teams are hot but uh Tyrese Halliburton is I mean he's just been a stud um we saw it last year when he averaged what 19 points and 11 11 assists but he's even up that this year to I think it's 13 assists uh, per game average right now. Um, I mean, and he's just been, you know, on a tear um, himself uh, in the first couple of games. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the East is really wide open here. Yeah, and like another team that I thought that I thought would you know take a rise in this wide open East, but hasn't really done anything yet is is the Heat. And I mean, I'm I know that they're historically not really the best regular season team but uh Jimmy Butler just hasn't looked good like in the past few games and you know it's early he already took a rest day and everything but it's just I'm, I'm really concerned about the heat because like they, they make every game close and they make every game a competition but they just they're not getting the scoring from their main guys I mean Tyler Hero has been great but you know Jimmy Butler's not doing his, his job uh, Bam Adebayo can only do so much because he's exerting so much on the defensive end. And it's like you're already one in three sitting in the season. Um, we're about to get into the end season tournament. I, I just – I don't know how this 
I, I don't know if this team gets themselves in, into a hole, if they're going to be able to climb themselves out of it like, like they usually do. Because I just don't believe in the depth that they have this year. Yeah, and, and you look at the Heat team from last year, and you have these guys that were undrafted, and, and obviously they made the NBA Finals. Um, and and the, these guys that were undrafted, they played really well. But it almost felt like the end was coming at some point. Um, and kind of when that season hit, or the offseason hit, it was just kind of like, we're going to evaluate our options here, and we are going to go all in for Damian Lillard. And then you lose out on Damian Lillard to another East team, and you're you're sitting back now if you're the Miami Heat and you're looking at this roster, and, and I'm just, I'm not inspired by this roster. Uh, Tyler Hero is, is one of the, the best bench guys in the league, assuming that he still stays on the bench, but... Outside of him and, and Adebayo, uh, if Jimmy Butler can't really get it done for them this year, I, I'm just not – there's not many spots on this roster where I'm saying, hey, uh, this team can go back to the NBA Finals. And like we said, and like you said, Jaden, they're not a great regular season team. They, they haven't been uh, with Eric Spolster really ever. Um, but I, I just – this roster doesn't is not inspiring to me right now at all. Look, I look, I look at it this way, and – I don't think that it's because they have a poor roster. I I think it's more so that this team just surprised everybody and came out of nowhere last year to reach the NBA Finals. That even without, you know, the Bucks going out and getting Damian Lillard or the, you know, Boston Celtics adding uh, Holiday, I don't think that this team is going to make it back to the NBA Finals for a second year in a row. I mean, it, I I love Bam Adebayo and I love, you know, Tyler Hero both as players, but I don't think that this is a roster that can make, you know, two finals in a row. Jimmy Butler, he's a great player, but he's not really the leader that's going to be able to do that. Um, you know, he's not like a LeBron James, he's not like a Kawhi Leonard or you know, Anthony Davis type player. He sure, you know, he's a great player, but he's not, you know, an NBA championship level caliber player, if that makes sense as a top guy. And you could actually say the same thing about James Harden. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, he's uh they obviously got that huge package the the Sixers did to give him up, but was he really ever a guy that's gonna go win you an NBA championship as the primary guy? Probably not. Um, but yeah, no, um, I think the NBA season has been fun so far. Um, I think it's going to continue being that way. Um, you mentioned the, uh, awards are the site wide awards are coming out soon. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, but with that being said, what is, has been the biggest surprise of the new NBA season? Man, uh, I would say that my personal big surprise has to be, like, the Mavericks being undefeated so far. And, I mean, you know, Luka Doncic is Luka Doncic. We all know what he's capable of. We all know that he's a a, a top three player in the league. But, like, the performances that he's been having and the performances that, like, it's not like they had easy games. Yeah, you were facing three teams that might not make the playoffs. But those were dogfight games. And Luka Doncic was just going deep into his bag of tricks and pulling out all the stops to make sure that the Mavericks got to the, to a win. And I'm personally excited to see when the end season tournament comes out, well, w- when it starts up this week, because I know that them and the Nuggets are in the same group. So uh, seeing multiple games of those two juggernauts going against each other I think it's going to be great. Um, the Mavs are definitely looking better than I thought they would coming into this season, though. Yeah, and, and you look at a guy like Derek Lively, who they got in the draft, and you say, wow, he fits in so well. Um, you know, you plug him in, and immediately in that first game, he goes, what, seven for eight, uh, something like that, against the Spurs, and just puts on a show, um, and they win that game, and they look really solid. And then Luka Doncic just looks like he's going to win MVP. Um, yeah. Uh, it looks like he's finally going to break through to that threshold. I mean, I was looking at some stats today, and, and Luka Doncic is already 10th all-time in triple doubles, um, the all-time list. So, I mean, it's just incredible what he's doing. And I think that if there's a year for him to finally break through, 
it's going to be this year. And to answer that question that you had, Dakota, on the most biggest surprise so far, I'm going to go with the opposite of what Jaden said. And I'm looking at the 0-4 Memphis Grizzlies. I mean, you're without John Morant, obviously, for the first foreseeable part of the season. And while that's that's not great, they were a team that won last year even without Ja. When Ja wasn't in the game, they were able to win games. Um, and you look at Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain, Smart, um, and, and those guys are – that's really the core of this team um, now, especially when you go out and you get Marcus Smart. Uh, but it just doesn't seem like it's meshing through these four, first four games. And they really – they weren't competitive with the Mavericks last night, and they really – a couple games they just haven't been close in. And I, I'm asking myself, where is uh, – I, I know he's been kind of, an, uh, kind of an afterthought, but where is Luke Kennard, man? I mean, this guy has had – uh, uh, he's he hasn't made a field goal yet this season. He's uh, I think he's only played in like 25 minutes, something like that so far. Uh, so I'd like to see him get used a little bit more. Um, and as far as the Grizzlies in general, I, I just think that things are not quite meshing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they need John Morant to come back, uh, but this is clearly not the same Memphis team that was the two seed last season. Yeah, I, I think that one is definitely a big surprise there. Um you know, they went out and got Marcus Smart thinking that he, you know, was a missing piece. You know, defensively, he's a great point guard. But, um, yeah, I mean, the offense just hasn't been there uh, for the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, the team play hasn't been there. I I honestly don't know what, you know, they need right now. But, yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Ja Morant, you know, not having his offense, not having his ability to score um, has been a big factor in – you know, them losing uh, their first four games of the season. And Yeah. And, oh, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. Go. Uh, I was just saying, I, I also think that they're really hurting because of uh, Steven Adams getting injured. Uh, mm. You know, uh, Jaron Jackson isn't really a strong rebounder, and Adams kind of, like, hid his weaknesses there, um, like with his offensive and defensive rebounding ability. But, uh, you know, they already were missing uh, Brandon Clark coming into the season. And then you lose Steven Adams right before the season starts. So it's like you're going into games with only Xavier Tillman and like Jake LaRavia as your bigs, uh, and neither of which are strong rebounders. But like you're seeing games like I watched their, their game against the Wizards. I think that Zaire Williams led the team in rebounding that game. And it's like you're you're allowing players who aren't traditionally good board crashers to dominate you on the offensive boards because you don't have a presence down low. And I, I think that that's definitely going to be the reason why they're going to be in such a deep hole once John Morant does come back. And I just don't think that even Ja coming back will be enough to replace the value that they lost from Steven Adams going down. Right. And it's, it's tough without Adams and without Morant. Uh, but like I mentioned earlier, they just found a way to make it work last season, and it seems like uh, they just haven't been able to do something this year. And, and you're right about those offensive rebounds have just been dominated in that part of the game. Yeah, so, Jaden, you mentioned the um, NBA end-season tournament coming up, and I didn't even realize that it was uh, that close. Um, it starts November 4th. November 3rd, actually, I should say. Um, but uh, I want to get your guys' opinions here. So who do you have coming out of the West A? Um, in that bracket, you've got the Grizzlies, the Suns, the Lakers, the Blazers, and the Jazz. I think of all those teams, uh, that it's probably going to be Phoenix. Um, I think that they're just – they look like they're probably the best team right now uh, out of all those from a roster standpoint. Um, you get Bradley Beal coming back, um, and then you have Kevin Durant, and he's proved like he has not lost a step yet. Um, and then I, I do have some concerns about the Lakers um, right now with uh, the fact that LeBron James just – the first couple of games of the season, it seems like they're easing him in uh, to this 21st season. Didn't get a lot of minutes in game one just hasn't been that same score. Um, but I, I would say that the Suns, I would have to look at the group one more time just to confirm that. Uh, but it does look like the Suns probably have the best chance to get out of it. I'm going to go with the Lakers on that one. 
I do think that the Lakers have been up and down this season. And yes, they, it, I think the LeBron is officially entering maintenance mode. Uh, but at the same time, they look very impressive uh, against the Suns when they beat them uh, in the second game this season. Uh, we, we don't know the timetable on Beal's return just yet. And with, with the tournament starting this week, I just don't know if the Suns are going to be, you know, fully fit and prepared for the tournament. I do think that they're still easily a, a top two team in that group, though. But I think the Lakers will, will probably get it done um, in that group if they end up playing like two two times in the group stage. Yeah, I've got to go with the Phoenix Suns as well. Um, I mean... They, they just look like the better team, you know, right now um, in this group heading into the uh, NBA in-season tournament. I mean, they're 2-1, and one, you know. Um, I haven't watched a lot of Suns basketball, I will say that. But um, they just look like the better team right now uh, heading into that um, in-season tournament. So uh, into that bracket. So I've got to go with the Suns there. Um the West B is going to be the most interesting group out of them all um, here. I mean, you've got the Denver Nuggets, you know, coming off of an NBA championship last year. You've got the L.A. Clippers, uh, who just got James Harden. It'll be interesting to see if uh, the Clippers get James Harden ready to go uh, by, this, by the start of this t- tournament. Then you've got the Pelicans, the Mavericks, and the Rockets. Personally, I've got to go with the Denver Nuggets. I think that Nikola Jokic is just unmatched. I don't think that anybody else gonna, anybody's going to be able to stop them in this group. Um, I mean, just looking at it, there's not really any, you know, big men um, that can um, even halfway match up to what Jokic brings to the Nuggets. Yeah, I'm going to also go with the Nuggets in this group, and then I'm I'm going to go ahead and double down and say that I think that the Nuggets are going to end up winning the, the entire tournament. Um, I really do think that we're seeing Jokic uh, truly separate himself from the rest of the field as, as the best player in, in basketball, and I, I really think that his value just opens up so much for not only his teammates to have the opportunity, but it just it opens up flaws in every single defensive uh, scheme. It's impossible to game plan for him. He can kill you on the perimeter. He can kill you in the post. He can kill you by, by just off-ball movement. So I, I definitely think the Nuggets are going to crush the competition and just off off the backs of their two-time MVP. Yeah, and, and I think the uh, – I'd agree with you guys that the Nuggets um, probably have the best chance to go ahead and take that group uh, from the Clippers, Pelicans, Mavs, and Rockets. But I do think that the first game of this pool is going to be a very impactful one, and that would be uh, Denver versus Dallas, right? And that's going to be on Friday, November 3rd. And I think the winner of that game could potentially go ahead and take the whole group. If Dallas comes in and they beat Denver, the reigning champions, and Luka Doncic is just going at it, and Lively and that and Kyrie and that team is just looking really good, I think they might just get really hot. And there's a very good chance that the winner of this group ends up winning the whole thing, whether it's the Nuggets or the Mavericks or even the Clippers, who we are saying is may not be James Harden may not be ready. We don't know how the roster is going to mesh just now. Uh, I think that they could end up getting hot um, for this tournament. Although I don't love the fact that this tournament is starting right now. I really wish that they would give it uh, at least a month or so, maybe right. Let's do this at the beginning of January, the beginning of the new year. Uh, I, I think the beginning of, uh, of November is too soon from the beginning of the season. If, if you're going to do it this way, then my, and then why not just, start the season with it i don't i don't really understand why it's 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 going on right now yeah definitely uh question um they're heading into next season i think you move it back at least to you know like maybe christmas time i think mm-hmm. that would be a i think that would be a perfect uh time to you know have this kind of a tournament obviously you know you could put like some of the bigger marquee matchups on christmas day um, kind of work it out there um, so that that happens. But, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you on that, Julian. Um, so in the West Sea, 
I, I think it's uh, obviously who the clear winner is going to be here. Um, you've got the Sacramento Kings, the Golden State Warriors, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, the Thunder, and the San Antonio Spurs. Actually, now that I look at it again, I don't think it's uh, clear who the winner is going to be here, but um, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors on this one. I think the Warriors have just looked unmatched um, heading at this point in the season. Um, obviously, the Thunder literally right behind them, but um, the Warriors, you know, they've just been phenomenal to start the season. Uh, you take a look at, you know, what they've done. Um, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson look great. Chris Paul has been, I think, what everybody thought that he was going to be. You know, a, a guy that come off, comes off the bench, you know, and does pretty much everything that he can to help this team win. He's, you know, he's scoring um, anywhere between uh, zero and ten points a night. Um, sometimes even more. He's got, you know, seven plus assists a night. He grabbed five rebounds in the last game. He's, yeah, he's doing everything that he can to help this team win, and I, I think he's going to be a great fit for this team heading into, um, especially into this end season tournament. Huh. I'm a. I think I'm going to actually go with the Thunder to win this group. Um, I'm, I've really been impressed with how they've looked through the first four games, especially Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Um, I think that he is proving once and for all that, that his All-NBA appearance wasn't a fluke. I think he's really taking that ascension into superstardom this season. And then, of course, Chet Holmgren has just been incredible for them on both ends of the basketball, but especially as a rim protector. Um he, he had seven blocks in that one game. It was it was crazy to look at. And I think that, that I think that Chet specifically is going to play a factor when they do face the Warriors. Uh, the Warriors are, you know, traditionally a smaller team. Um, and, you know, Kevon Looney is, is definitely a, a, a stout um, defender and, and good rebounder. But when it comes to those to those switches, when you have the versatility of guys like Lugens, Dort, and uh, Jalen Williams and, and Chad Holmgren. I think that they're just going to really harass the Warriors defensively, and I think that that can help um, help them get wins over them and get wins over the rest of the field, especially with uh, Shea's offensive domination. So I'm going to take the Thunder to win this group as a dark horse. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, uh, just because I think that the Thunder are now going to become something of America's team, right? This is, uh, this is a team that's really easy to root for, especially after Chet Holmgren goes down last season. And they have Shea Gilgis-Alexander, the first-team All-Pro. Um, and they haven't been relevant for a long time. And, and the GM over there has just done an unbelievable job of stacking up draft picks and, and really loading up that roster for the future and, and, and making that team look really good. Um, so I, I, I'll definitely be rooting for the Thunder out of this, uh, out of this group. Uh, but I do think that the Warriors are, are something of an in, inevitability. Uh, I think that their their backcourt is just too much to handle. Steph Curry's been there, um, and Draymond Green. They're doing this again. Klay Thompson. I mean, these guys are just they've done it before. That it's it's unbelievable what this team can do. Um, I think that they are probably the front runner, um, to say the least, in this in this group. Uh, but watch out for the Kings. I'm not ready to count them out yet. Uh, they had obviously that run last year where they. Um, they, they did so well during the season and then got to the playoffs um, and, and even played well there under the brightest lights against a tough Golden State team. Um, so I, I, I'm not ready to count out the Kings just yet, uh, but the Warriors are the favorite, in my opinion. Okay. Could definitely see that. Um, so over in the East in Group A, you've got the 76ers, the Cavaliers, the Hawks, the Pacers, and the Pistons. Uh, this one is kind of up in the air as to who takes it. Um, personally, I've got to take the Indiana Pacers, but uh, it, it's just so up in the air at this point. I mean, you know, the 76ers, uh, we talked about them um, not really having that go-to second scorer um, outside of, uh, or go-to scorer outside of Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid. Um the Cavaliers, you know, they, they are who they are. Um, at, at this point, they've kind of struggled. The Hawks, um, again, a team that str has struggled. Um, and then the Pace Pistons, who we talked about, um, 
have been a little bit of a surprise this season. But who do you guys got here? I'm going to agree with you, Dakota. I'm going to take the Pacers there, uh, mainly just because of um, their offensive production has just been very interesting to watch. Uh, they have eight players averaging double-digit scoring uh, so far in the season. Um, they have two players averaging more than eight assists with Halliburton and Andrew Nimhard. Uh, and the, then their role players are just knockdown scorers. Like you're bringing not knockdown shooters. You're bringing guys like Buddy Heald and uh, Aaron Neesmith and Andrew Nimhard, like I said, off the bench as just pure scorers, pure catch and shoot guys. And then not not to mention you have Obi Toppin spacing the floor in the starting five. Uh, of course, Benedict Matherin, who's getting his points regardless. I just think that their offensive versatility is going to make them outmatch any other team in this group. Um, you mentioned every team has their own flaws, especially with the Cavs being as as injured as they are. I wouldn't be surprised if like the final matchup between these two groups are, are the Pacers and Pistons, because I just mm -hmm. feel like those are the hottest two teams just in, in the group at, at the moment, and I just think that the Pacers' offense will be overwhelming. I think uh, I think we're being a little too quick to, to count on Philadelphia right now. Uh, I still think that even without James Harden, that the roster is still there. Uh, I think that they're ahead of the Cavaliers uh, from the standpoint right now because of, because Jaden, like you mentioned, the, those injuries that the Cavaliers have. Uh, the Hawks are just a bit of a drift right now. Uh, doesn't really seem like they have too much direction going with their franchise. I love the Pacers and what they've kind of done early so far this season. And um, I think that they're going to match up well with the 76ers in this series. And they've got a good chance to pull it out and, and take this group. And then Detroit as well, been playing well these first couple games. So I, I think this one may be the, the biggest toss-up of the three. Uh, but I'm going to go with the experience, and I'm, I'm going to go with the, the MVP from, uh, from last season, and I'm going to go with the Sixers. All right. Uh, group B, um, kind of uh, a clear winner here. Um, you got the Bucks, the Knicks, the Heat, the Wizards, and the Hornets. Um, pretty much all four of those teams, uh, the last four teams that I mentioned there, um, have struggled in their own right uh, here early on in the season. Uh, the Bucks have kind of been the, um, obviously they are the go-to favorite to come out of this uh, uh, pool. But, um, you know, you, you got to probably take the Bucks here. I mean, they look the best out of any five of these teams. You can't really – there's not really a reality where you can't take the Bucks here. I mean, the Heat, like we said, have had struggles early on. The Knicks haven't played great basketball yet from the offensive side of the ball. Uh, their defense looks excellent, but their offense just simply isn't there right now. Uh, the Wizards are forgettable as well as the Hornets. So I, I think that Milwaukee is probably going to steamroll through this one. Uh, what do you think, Jade? Hey, man, uh, I think my bias might be coming through here. But um, I'm liking the Knicks' chances in this group. And uh, the reason I say that is because I feel like, like Julian mentioned, our, our defensive intensity uh, is just it, – it's something that we've been able to commit to even amidst the uh, – the last three games. We did just finish up beating down on the Cavs here tonight. Uh, didn't really have an, an extraordinary offensive performance by any means, but, I mean, we had, like, six guys scoring double figures. Nobody really had, like, a dominating game, but it was just all defense. We were able to shut down everyone in Cleveland. And I feel like, you know, we, we do kick off the tournament against uh, Milwaukee on Friday, and I feel like that will just really be a defining uh, – a defining game for the the group. Uh, I think that we do match. We have historically matched up against Giannis pretty well. Dame is a, a new uh, chess piece for them, of course. But uh, you know, Middleton has uh, missed a few games. So if we do catch them when they're not at full strength, I think that we could possibly steal one from Milwaukee and, and walk away with the most wins in this group. Yeah, I will say that if. Uh... The Bucks don't make it. The Knicks are probably going to end up being the second best team here. Um, I mean, the Heat just look like on paper the, it would be the Heat, but the Heat just have so many struggles right now. Um, I don't see how they're going to do um, heading into this uh, end season tournament. Um, but with the Group C, um, I think it's going to come down to two teams: the Boston Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. 
Um, obviously, the Boston Celtics are going to be the clear front runner heading into this uh, tournament. But um, outside of those two teams, you've got the Raptors, the Bulls, and the Magic. I mean, all three of those teams, you know, um, have struggles of their own. Um, you know, we mentioned the Bulls being a, pretty much a hot mess um, and, you know, trending downward the last couple of seasons. The Raptors haven't looked good this year. And then the Magic, um, a team that is still searching uh, for direction um, heading into this season. But, yeah, the, who do you guys got? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you that, that the Celtics seem like the pretty easy pick to make here. Um their, their starting five has just been outstanding. Um, it seems like every single night there's a different new leading scorer. Uh, what you, we've seen Porzingis go crazy. We've seen Derek White get his. We saw Jalen Brown last game. And, of course, Tatum's been Tatum. Um, I, I just – I really like their chances. Um, I think that if there is – I think the in-season tournament finals will come down to them in Denver. Um, but I will say – I won't count the Magic out as a contender here to as a dark horse in the group. Of course, they, you know, they in, in the first two games, at least, they looked very, very dominant. Of course, it was against the, the bottom feeder Blazers and Rockets. But last night's game against the Lakers really showed me that they can they can hang with those higher end teams, especially defensively. They don't really have a guy that's stepping up and giving you 20 a night. They're kind of more spaced out, but like, um, th- those rotations that they have with like Franz Wagner and, and um, Jonathan Isaac defensively, I-, I really like the way that they can match up against a-, a team like Boston. Of course, I do think that Boston will get the better of them, but I, I won't sleep on the magic going forward. Yeah. I-, I was one of the people this season before the season started that said, Hey, l- let's look at this magic team. I-, I think that they could be pretty decent in this wide open Eastern conference. Uh, I'd actually be surprised if they don't end up at least in the play in. Uh, this season but yeah as far as this group is concerned I think that the Celtics do have the best chance to win it here I mean look at the starting five it's just ridiculous Um, especially with the three-headed scoring monster of Tatum Brown and now Porzingis who's totally revitalized his career last season with the Wizards and has now come into this season and just looked like a monster opening night against the Knicks you know he he went into the garden and sort of embarrassed us a little bit and said uh, kind of flicked us off for, for letting him go and, and kind of the way that it ended up happening. Uh, and that wasn't great as a fan to watch, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, but interesting stat that I found, Celtics 22-1 and when Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum scored 30 points a game. Uh, scored 30 points in the game. And uh, so the, those two guys are, are unstoppable when they're hot and it makes Boston unstoppable. And the best part is if one of them's not doing great, the other one can go pick him up, and then you got Chris Tapsport Zingas just waiting, and, and the, the Zingas looks just like the guy that uh, the Knicks drafted, and he's really hit his stride now, and, and he's totally blossomed into an unbelievable player. So I, I think Boston's probably the uh, the clear pick here. Yeah, and you can't count out Drew Holiday as a scorer either. Um, you know, just a fourth guy there that they can go to if they need it. But um, yeah, uh, your last part for the podcast today. Um, your final uh, prediction to take the um, in-season tournament. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm gonna say that the final matchup will be between the Nuggets and the Celtics, and I'm gonna take the Nuggets to win the whole thing. Uh, you know, getting getting two trophies in the span of, of four months is gonna be sweet for them. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that honestly, they look unstoppable so far. I think that when those two teams do run into each other, that we're going to get a classic game in Vegas. And I feel like they're definitely going to both take it very seriously. The face is going to be very high. But at the end of the day, I love Kristaps Porzingis on defense. But Nikola Jokic is just a different monster. And, and I think that he's going to prove to everyone, uh, if there are any doubters left, I think that this tournament will be his coming out party of, hey, this is my league now. Yeah, I, I like it. I like the prediction for the finals. Um, and I, I think that um, it, it's going to end up being the the champion of Group C and a team that I just think has been here before. They're going to get really hot. 
Give me the Golden State Warriors uh, to go out and win this thing. They may not have the best front court. They may not be able to compete with the Jokic's of the world. Uh, but I think that Steph Curry is going to get hot and he's going to do what he does. Um, I do think that the, the winner is going to come out of the Western Conference. Overall, the West is just way better than the East this season, from my perspective at least. And uh, I'm really looking forward to these courts too, by the way, that the uh, that the uh, NBA has released, especially the Phoenix Suns. They're doing some crazy purple-light blue combination, and then you got the Jazz going with that, uh, that light blue. So I, I just think that... Overall, it, it's crazy, um, but it's going to be weird to see it on an NBA court. It's going to look almost like, uh, like some at an NBA two K. I'll I'll add on to your uh, what you said there, Julian. Um, Steph Curry already is hot. Um, we <laughs> saw it last night um, in that in the game. Uh, I mean, forty two points heading into you know this tournament. I mean, you can't get much hotter than that, um, especially for especially for a guy that's you know. Uh, reaching the tail end of his career, um, and just an absolute sharpshooter from deep. Um, I mean, you can't get much better shooting wise than the Golden State Warriors. Um, you know, they're they're supposed to get Draymond Green back at some point over the next uh, week or two, I think, uh, from what I've heard. But um, yeah, I'm definitely going to go with the Golden State Warriors here as well. Um, I just think that that team is unmatched at this point in the season. Um, so with that being said. Jaden, Julian, thanks for joining me today. Um, It's been a pleasure. Um, I'll see you guys next time right here on the Hoop Culture Podcast.